0: One thing that I'll probably be saying a lot, kind of mantra, trying to get you guys to get is, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And I hope that by the end of my message, I've convinced you that it's true. So what I want you guys to do is, everyone, when you walked in, you should have received a bulletin, right? You guys all got a bulletin. And on that bulletin, I want you to take it out in really small, because I don't want you to use up all your space for sermon notes, because I got lots of things that you guys are going to take sermon notes about, um, what I want you to do is kind of small in there. I want you to write out your five closest friends. Okay. Now, now, I know I see people kind of looking at me, but when I say everybody, I want to help you guys understand this, because I don't know if we've taught this before, but at the Vineyard, everybody means everybody. So if you have a body, it means you. And so what I want you to do is take out your bulletin, take out the pen, they're in your seat back pockets. You may even notice they're new with our new logo. How cool is that? Um, so I'll give you guys like 15 seconds to do that. And I'm going to stand up here and awkwardly kind of move from side to side. So you guys write down your five closest friends. Bud, come on, man. Write it down, man. Especially if you came to visit me from my former church, like I would really appreciate it if you would participate in what I've asked you to do. I may even be on your list. Wouldn't that be good? <clears throat> All right. So you guys can set that aside for now. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that later. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you two reasons friendship really matters in your life. And then I'm going to tell you how you can pursue the right kinds of friendships. So item number one. So if you're keeping notes, you can bullet point this item number one. Friendship matters because we are made for it. And we're going to read John 15:9 through 17, which will wind up on your screen. And we'll just start off here by seeing what Jesus says about God's design from the beginning. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus uses the word friend three times in this time. It's clearly his subject. And whenever Jesus uses the word love through here, he's talking about friendship love. So why is friendship important? Well, I think the answer is found in verse 9. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So a paraphrase here could be, from all eternity, the Father and the Son have existed as friends. And, may, and being made in the image of God, that means that we are made for friendship as well. Like we all know, the doctrine of the Trinity is hard to understand, but it is the foundation for understanding how you are wired. From all eternity, the one God has existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bound in friendship, love. Um, so what you see here is that friendship was never created. Um, it's part of an eternal nature of God. There has never been a time in all of eternity when there was not friendship. You and I were created in God's image, which means we were created for friendship. That's why when God created Adam, he said, it's not good that he should be alone. that well, doesn't seem kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, God just created him. Like he hadn't messed up yet. God doesn't make junk. He makes good stuff. Right? So why would God say that? Well, Adam wasn't lonely because he was imperfect. See, Adam was lonely because he was still perfect. See, all of our other problems in life arise out of sin and imperfections. But loneliness, see, you see, loneliness is the one problem that we have because we're created in the image of God. You know, you say, you know, I don't really feel like I need friends. Like, I'm cool, I'm, a, I'm an artist, I like to paint and be alone, or I read books or, or whatever else, but... You know what that tells me? That just tells me that you're not a lot like God. Let us make man in our image. If we go back to Genesis 1, said one member of the Trinity to the other, you are made in the image of God, and therefore you have a deep need for friendship, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. So in these verses that we went through, Jesus gives us a glimpse into what a Godlike friendship looks like. Jesus believes that a true friend is someone who always lets you in and never lets you down. And some of you folks my age, maybe a little bit older, might be like, that's like a Rick Astley song. You know, never going to give, never going to give. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Maybe I'm the only one who thought that. Uh, But anyway, so so right, so a, a friend always lets you in. And see where Jesus says in verse 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You see, servants don't really know the hearts of their masters, they just obey. Some of you can probably relate to that at work, right? Like, I just do what I'm told, I clock in, I clock out, I don't need to know the big picture. But Jesus says, like, I always wanted more for you from you. Like, not as servants that just obey, but I want to share my life with you. Like, I created you to love you. I created you to be friends. I created you to fellowship and walk with me. That's why I made you. <clears throat> you know what thing I think is really cool is, um, I'm, not a, I'm not scholarly, but I, I kind of looked this up. So, but the Hebrew word for friendship that Jesus uses here is the word soad. And uh, what that means is Secret. And, and what I think he's trying to say here is that, or what friendship meant to him, was that a friend is someone that you let into those secret places in your heart. But that's why you can't have too many really close and good friends. There's just not enough space in your life to tell everyone to everything, or tell everybody everything. And really, I mean, it's just not a good idea. You can't promise everyone in your life that you'll be there for them whenever, you know knock on your door at 2 o'clock in the morning, or that you can help everybody move, or, or whatever goes down. Um, not all of your friends can be for you, there for you day and night. But a true friend, your closest friends, always let you in. And a true friend also never lets you down. Let's look at verse 13. It says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay, one down, lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You see, Jesus was so committed to his friends that he would go to hell and back, literally, uh, for them. Because he would not let them down. He would lay down his life. There was nothing that could make him turn away. No burden he wouldn't bear. No offense he wouldn't forgive. I used to go to church with my grandma when I was little, and we always sing hymns. And one of the favorite ones that we'd sing, we'd sing, we'd sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our friends, take two. All right. <clears throat> All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Uh, by the way, you know, this is one of the most distinctive things about Christianity. Other religious leaders, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, like they never related to their fathers this way. They left behind their sayings. After they died, they said, Obey this. But Jesus left himself behind through the Holy Spirit as his invitation to follow me and walk with me. Not just obey me. But commune with me. You see, friendship matters because we're made for it. The quality of life goes up dramatically when you have friends. So, a few years ago, researchers from the University of Virginia, uh, any cavaliers here? No? Okay, good. Uh, they studied 34 students and they took them to the base of a steep hill and fitted them with weighted backpacks. And they were asked to estimate the steepness of the hill. Some participants stood next to friends during the exercise while others were alone. The students who stood next to their friends gave lower estimates for the steepness of the hill. And the longer the friends had known each other, the less steep the hill appeared. Everything is better with friends. Maybe a little more tangible than heavy backpacks. Uh, many uh, Many marriage researchers say that the greatest single factor in determining the quality of your marriage is the quality of your friendship. One study showed, and I quote, Whether wives feel satisfied with the sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is 70% dependent on the quality of the couple's friendships. For men, who of course we all know are are really, really different um, than women. Uh, I guess that was funny. All right. Uh, So for men, uh, you may not believe this, but... uh, For them to feel satisfied with the sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is 70% dependent on the quality of the couple's friendship. You see, maybe men and women are from the same planet after all, right? (laughs) Most of us don't think of marriage in terms of friendship. We think it's mainly attraction and romance spiced with a little friendship. Good marriages are primarily friendships spiced with a little romance. (laughs) So as it turns out, good marriages are really just kind of friends with benefits. Um. I'm on the calendar to preach again in August set your calendar <throat> right so God believes in the, co- in the idea of the friends with benefits concept you know, of course, just between the, just within the bonds of monogamous and covenant-based marriage. Thanks. <clears throat> Point number two, <laughs> moving on. Friendship matters because it makes us. So we're going to turn back to the Old Testament, to the book of Proverbs. If you guys have Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs 13, verse 20. Um, and as you guys may know, uh, Proverbs were written by Solomon, and he was the son of David, David and he was the wisest man to have ever lived. And, uh, and, and so, um, anyway, so much of Solomon's wisdom would have came from just kind of hanging out with his dad and who was a man after God's own heart. But anyways, Proverbs 13:20 it says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, according to that verse, what one factor determines how life turns up? I know there's other verses, but what factor, which, uh, Which factor is Solomon talking about here? Well, it's with whom you choose to walk in life, right? Again, Proverbs 13.20 says, If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Or another way I've heard this is, Your friends are the future you. You know, it's said that you're an average of your five closest friends. So I want you to take back out your bulletin where you wrote down your five closest friends. And I want you to... Remove you the extremes because chances are one of them is just way too awesome to be your friend and you wonder why they are. <laughs> and perhaps maybe one on the bottom is a dud and you don't really want to <laughs> maybe you don't relate as well to them. But here's the thing. See, if you were drunk last night, chances are three or four of those friends were drunk as well. And if you're chasing God after God with all your heart, chances are Three or four of those friends are doing that as well. So we all have something we'd like to become. Maybe we'd like to become a better parent, a better employee, a more solid Christian. What if the decision to become that was really a decision about the friends that you choose? See, it's not your dreams that determine your destiny. It's the small decisions you make. And one of the most important decisions you make is whom to walk with. So you are one friend away from being a better parent, a better spouse, a better friend. You are be- you are one friend away from being a worse one as well. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So you may be saying now, am I supposed to break up with my non-wise friends? Well, here's another way to look at it. So you guys, I don't know if you ever heard of three concentric circles, but I've got, ah, there it is. Ah. Um, three concentric circles. And so, uh, these These circles represent kind of the how close you would have your friends so your circle of intimacy would be like three or four friends max like these are the people who who know everything about you they know they know your, they know your stuff you know you know their stuff and, and and these are the ones that that are making you be into the person that that you 're supposed to be um, then we also have friends of influence um, these are people that influence us and we influence them we need to we need to make sure that we're careful about who is in our circle of influence, but we can't be totally careful because a lot of these people be people you work with or um, you know your neighbors and, and things like that. You don't get to choose any of them. And then, of course, the circle of care. like These are people I love to hang out with. They're my friends. These are people that like I enjoy their company. I probably have a lot of non-Christians who would fall into my, my care friends. I check in on them. I go to their stuff when they have things. I certainly and completely care and love these people, but They're not in my inner circle. So how will your life change? So you make sure that the intimacy circle is for believers because you'll become like them. So years ago, um, scientists were trying to figure out why fish swam in school. So we're going to take a little bit of an example here from the animal kingdom. I know you guys aren't animals, but you guys are both created by God. So there's a few parallels there. Uh, so they wanted to figure out why fish swam in schools and why they darted to the left and darted to the right. So they took one fish, and they, they studied him, and they, they pinpointed the part of the brain that compelled fish to swim in schools. And so that's kind of mean, but they, they, they chose to do a partial lobotomy on this fish. And so they, they, they opened him up, and they cut out that part of his brain, and they let him heal up, and then they, they put him back in the water. But, of course, he doesn't have that part of his brain anymore, so he just goes and swims off by himself because he's no longer compelled to hang out with his buddies. Well, what do you think happened then? Yeah, all the other fish followed him. Right? I mean, doesn't that sound a little bit like high school? (laughs) Like some brain-dead person decides they want to start a new fad and everybody just kind of follows it. Yeah, yeah. August, besides your calendars. Um, but just like those fish are made to be in relationship and to follow each other, um, we're, we're created in that same way. So, and none of you guys, I don't think, have had the partial lobotomy to remove the friendship part of your brain. So, um, but the kind of the story here is you need to move some of your friends out of the circle of intimacy and into the circle of influence. Like, you don't have to send them an official notification letter or anything. Like, we don't have to break up. Like, hey, man, like, we used to be like this, and now we're going to be like this or like this or, you know, whatever. You don't have to do that. Like, you can still be friends with them. You just, you know, want to make sure that the people that you have in that intimacy circle are the ones you want to have there. And it's Father's Day, so we've got to talk about kids, right, just a little bit. So this is so important for your kids. Know who their friends are. Know who their five closest friends are. Because see, listen to this, like they can come in and they can listen to gifted speakers like Randy, <laughs> Lori-O, she's speaking next week like like people who are who are gifted at this, they can listen to the greatest speakers online, but it's not going to have anywhere near the effect and on them as their five closest friends, so make sure you're in their lives on this, but you as well, you know, I mean, look. Friendship happens in circles, not rows. And so, you know, we've got different types of groups where you can connect with people that you could probably feel pretty comfortable putting in your intimacy circle. Right here, we have different affinity groups. We have small groups from time to time. Like, and all that stuff is on the back of your, or on the connect card, connect cards in the back of your seat back. Like, go ahead and fill one out and check it out. Like, we would love to help you get connected with people that can go into the intimacy circle. Proverbs 12.26. It's not on the screen for this one, I don't think. The righteous man is cautious with friendships, but the way of the wicked leads him astray. See, I would mentioned earlier the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. And Jewish rabbis, of course, claim that a lot of David's wisdom was passed on to Solomon. David's life was built around three major friendships. And I'd suggest that these, types of, these three types of friendships are what we need. So David had three major friends. His, his friend type number one was Samuel. We'll call him the loving prophet. See, God reveals to Samuel what he had called David to do when he was a shepherd and declared over him that he would be king. Do you have friends like that? Yes. I do. Man, they have been so influential to me. As a matter of fact, a couple of them are in this room. Uh, but anyway, they have been so influential to me. They could see what God was doing and called me into it. They held a crown over my life and encouraged me to grow into it. Friendship number two for David was Jonathan. And we'll call him the faithful companion. You see, Jonathan was David's best friend as a teenager. He was also King Saul's son. And Saul was the current king of Israel and was not a big fan of King David or King not a big fan of David, who he was jealous of because he was going to become king. See, Jonathan risked his own life several times to warn David and encourage him. You know, it's remarkable when you consider that David's ascension to the throne came at a great personal cost to Jonathan. See, Jonathan was Saul's son. Who would have been, I mean, Jonathan would have been the next king. But Jonathan said to David, God chose you. And if I can help you get that, I'll do it. Do you have any friends like that? See, so check, check this verse out about Jonathan uh, and his friendship with Daniel. It's found in 1 Samuel twenty-three sixteen. 16 it says and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God when Jonathan heard that David was discouraged he walked 30 miles to Horish to encourage him do you have any friends who would walk 30 miles do you have any? i mean don't you get annoyed by passive friends they won't call back they won't even send a text back like they can't commit to anything I think we can all say Jonathan was certainly the opposite of a passive friend. I mean, you want these kind of friends. We have opportunities to plug into different types of... Oh, never mind. I already said that. Ha! I'm ahead of myself. Friend type number three that David had was Nathan. We'll call him the loyal wounder. He's the tough love guy. See, later in David's life, he'd get into some sin. He tried to cover it up and live a lie. But God sent Nathan to tell him the truth. You need people in your life to put their finger in your face and tell you you are making stupid decisions. Do you have these type of friends? And how do you react when someone calls you out on your sin? Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of the enemy. Look, kisses always feel better than wounds. But if you only have people around you that are giving you kisses, you're going to destroy yourself. Look, you have to deputize a few friends. You got to give them a hunting license, and you got to set them free. You do like you got to let them like, hey, show me my blind spots, show me my weaknesses, invite them to dig in. It's going to hurt, but it'll be worth it. So those are the two reasons that friendship matters. It matters because you're made for it, and because it makes you. So take care with your friendships. As Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. (laughs) So now I want to show you how the power of those relationships comes from Jesus' relationship with us. See, every every horizontal relationship we have is determined by the strength of our vertical relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the best, ultimate friend that we could have. I mean, when you think about it, he is the perfect combination of Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan. See, Samuel spoke courage. He said, hey, you're a sinner. Er, 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 he is like Samuel and that he, he speaks courage. He says, you're a sinner, but I call you a saint. You are dead, but I declare you alive. You are not my people, but I have made you my people. Your name was wrath, failure, judgment. I call you mercy, new creation, more than a conqueror, and useful for my service. He's also a friend like Jonathan who served at a great cost to himself. You see, when David was in need, Jonathan walked 30 miles to Horish. Jesus did more than that. He crossed the gap between deity and humanity. Jonathan gave up his right to the palace to get David in. Jesus purchased our place in the palace at the cost of his blood. He made his case ours. He took up our sins and our sorrows. You know... There's a story in the Bible where where Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends, he dies, and Jesus loves this family, and when he shows up on the scene. You know, everybody likes to say, I know at least one verse. The Verse says Jesus wept. Um, why would Jesus weep? Like he was gonna raise him, like maybe 30 seconds from now, right? I mean, like he, he knew what he was gonna do, but he wept with him because that's what friends do. They share in your pain. They share. When things hurt, they cry alongside you. They share in your, in, your, in your triumphs, and they share in your pain. And Jesus is a friend like Nathan, who loves us enough to confront us. So Jesus could have ignored all of our sin and just destroyed us and let us be. But instead, he came to us. And even when he was despised and reviled and he was murdered by us, it never stopped the way he loved us. You see, Jesus is the best friend that he describes in John 15. He lets us in. He opened himself up to us. He stretched his arms out wide on the cross, and he made himself vulnerable. He refused to walk away from the cross for you. Even when he could have, I won't let go for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross and forgot about its shame. See, friendship with Jesus enables us to become better friends. See, our friendship with Jesus and gives us the ability to be vulnerable. Let me tell you why you can't really open up with others. It's you're afraid they'll walk away. You're afraid they'll judge you. But did you see in John 15, 16, where Jesus said, You did not choose me. I chose you. Jesus didn't choose us as friends because we were so great. He didn't choose us as friends because we were super lovable really talented. He chose us in spite of all of that. But what that can mean for us is that we don't have to be afraid of him discovering something new about us because he already knows all of it. He sees all the brokenness in us and he loves us anyway. See, that gives us the ability to be vulnerable to each other. So you can't be afraid to open yourself up to other people when there's already somebody out there who knows everything about you and loves you enough to die for you. Um, So Craig Rochelle, who's the lead pastor of Life Church, he says, uh, you can impress people with your strength, but you only connect with them through your weakness. True friendship is born out of shared weaknesses. Um, So another thing that um, our relationship with Jesus, or Jesus teaches us, is he teaches teaches us how to live with grace. So I think a lot of you have learned this, but I'll say it anyway. True friendship is hard. Like, life friendship is easy. I like you. You make me laugh. True, lifelong, Jonathan, David-type friendship, it's hard. Because they're not perfect. They're going to let you down. They'll mess up. And if you don't know how to show grace, you'll never have lifelong, satisfying, Trinity-like friendships that you were created to have. Through Jesus' friendship to you, you learn grace. As he accepted you, you have to accept your friends. Jesus' friendship, friendship to us gives us the freedom to become the friend we've always wanted for ourselves. So here's your big question for today. Are you Jesus' friend? Now, you may be sitting in church today, but has Jesus really ever became your friend? That's what it really means to be a Christian. Become Jesus' friend. Look, he's not looking for servants who will obey and be scared of him, but he's looking for friends to walk with him. True Christianity is not about obeying, obeying rules, but entering into a relationship. I'd like to invite Lynn and our ministry team to come forward. Is Jesus your friend? Have you seen the fruit of that friendship? Has it affected the way you pray? Has it affected how you see sin? Do you see sin as something that you're doing that you can get away with? Or are you seeing it as something that hurts your friend? Look, if you have never made friends with Jesus or if you'd like to renew your friendship with Jesus, like I'll invite you to come up after I pray and pray with these folks on the ministry team that are up here. They would love to chat with you about what it means to have that friendship with Jesus. And of course, if you have other things that you need prayer for, they're equipped to do that as well. So let me pray. Uh, dear God, we thank you for creating us for friendship. Thank you that, that you've put the place in our heart that we were made for friendship, God. And we thank you that you provide friends to us that help form us into your image. And that you provided the example of Jesus to us to show us what a real friend looks like. So God, as we, as we close our Sunday, we just thank you that we were able to all gather together.